welcome. I'm Mary Frances. And I'm Jenna. And, and together, together we, we are Insanely Relative. relative. Happy St. Patrick's Yay! Day, everybody. Um, so it's Wednesday, March the 17th, and it's St. Patrick's Day. I have on my green. Jenna does not. But I have red hair, so I'm, I'm cool. She I don't have pass. to wear green. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and we're using green mugs for our coffee. Mm-hmm. So that counts. So, um, we looked up St. Patrick's Day. We were talking about it the other day, and Jenna's like, where did, like, where did it even come from? So, How did it originate? Yes. So, St. Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. Which I knew, that part. Okay, well, I think everybody <laughs> knew that. Um, he is credited for bringing Christianity to its people. Okay. And following his death on March 17th, 461, wow. mythology grew about him, and they had a Roman Catholic feast day. So if if you practice Catholicism, during Lent, you don't eat meat. Right. You're supposed to give up things. But on this feast day, you were allowed to eat meat. Okay. So In honor of St. Patrick. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah. So that's where it kind of came from. They started celebrating him mm-hmm. on the date of his death. And then um, I thought it was interesting that the Chicago River started dying their River Green in 1962. And oh, they've cool. apparently done it I know. Year. I've heard of that. And then, I, you know, we should have looked up where Irish potatoes came from because... Have you ever had one? I've never yes, had one. Yes, they're delicious. I love coconut. Oh, I don't. You don't like coconut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but a lot of people make them. Is mm-hmm. it like a cookie? No, it's like a ball rolled in cinnamon. Like a little coconut mixture of some sort rolled in cinnamon. Oh. They're very good. That's cool. Mm-hmm. If you like coconut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, you have to like coconut. Right. <laughs> so, I'm out. <laughs> So, um, Jenna and I were talking the other day, and I think I had said, um, I think I was talking about something, and I said, well, um, what was it? A penny wise and pound foolish. Right. And we started saying, where in the heck did that come from? And where do these other expressions come from? So, we started coming up with some, Mm -hmm. and some of them (laughs) I had never heard of. No. Um, we were out to dinner Saturday night, and I told Uncle Bill that we were going to be doing this podcast, and he said, oh, dressed up like Mrs. Astor's pet horse? I'm never like, heard that one. I'm like, I, I have never heard that. <laughs> what does that even mean? He goes, I don't know. I thought it was usually like if somebody's really dressed up. So I actually looked it up because I'm thinking he's lost his mind. Because what horse gets dressed up? Let's, well, let's talk about that. Mrs. Okay. Astor's, apparently. Okay. So there's two versions. There's dressed up like Mrs. Astor's pet horse, and then there's lit up like Mrs. Oh. Astor's plush horse. So Mrs. Oh. Astor's, A-S-T-E-R-S, was a socialite. Okay. And she had a party on Fifth Avenue and placed her live horses adorned with lights in the oh, window. Wow. Okay. So so Uncle Bill has not lost no, his mind. No, he hasn't. Good. Um, Good to know. Yeah. So it's and that's where it comes from. So if somebody's really like glitzy and to the glamoured. Nines. Well, There's that's another, another one. one. I, Dressed yes. to the nines. Yeah. So that's what that one was. Dressed to the nines. Do you know where that came from? No, I can't say that I do. Okay. <clears throat> it came from back in 1859. <clears throat> Because tailors would use nine yards of material to make a finely crafted suit. Oh, wow. See that? 
So if you were dressed to the nines, it was because you had like the best the suit. The best suit. And they used nine yards of material. Wow. Is I wonder how many yards it takes now to you. We should, we should ask a tailor if that's right? still the case. Maybe. That we should. would be neat. Do you know any tailors you can uh, ask? <laughs> not off the top of my head. <laughs> <clears throat> so I thought that was kind of interesting. So that's kind yeah. of where today's came from because Jenna and I are like, what, what about this one? And what about that one? Yes. So we have a few that we thought would be fun to share. And some of them we have the origin. Some of them we don't. It's right. Just, you know, kind of, okay, I kind of get that one. Yes. And, and I feel like there's a lot our parents said when we were young and yeah. we just, you know, heard them all the time but never really knew where they came from. Right. Or why they were saying what they were saying. Right. <clears throat> so um, do you want me to yeah, tell a few? Okay, yeah. so I looked up a few. Well, I, the few that I've heard growing up. So right. one major one was the pot calling the kettle black. And while I knew what it meant, I didn't really know where it came from. <clears throat> so I looked it up, and it's a proverbial idiom that may be of Spanish origin, which began to appear in English versions in the first half of the 17th century, um, being used by a person who is guilty of the very thing that they are accusing someone else of, and therefore, it's an example of hypocrisy. There's a lot um, of that going around. Yeah. <laughs> Further information I found on that one is um, that... Uh, the expression has its origins in the medieval kitchen as well, when both pots and kettles were made from sturdy cast iron and both would get black with soot from the open fire. Okay. So they were just some, some funny one, or that was just some information about that one. And then another one, and my son always, my gosh, this one actually makes me laugh. When Connor was little, you know, you, you'd say you scared me out of my wits mm -hmm. or you scared me to death. Mm-hmm. He would always say, you scared the death out of me, or you scared the wits out of me. Mm -hmm. He would say it backwards. Right. <laughs> so um, that, I don't have the origin of that, but that's scaring someone so badly that they lose their sanity. And I thought, oh. since we're insanely relative, I thought that was pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I can relate to being scared out of my wits. Yeah. Yes, at times. In yeah. the dark. I don't care for the dark. So yeah. anything in the dark scares me. <laughs> Nope. Uh, go ahead. You do your um, Yeah. So so actually, Uncle Bill and I's dinner conversation Saturday night it's transpired into all of these different things. And he came up with a slew of them. And some of them I cannot say on public uh, <laughs> radio. But anyway, uh, one was hog wild. Mm -hmm. So um, hog wild actually is just lacking restraint. Like uh -huh. you're just going, going hog crazy. wild. But they, the origin, supposedly, they believe, because, again, I mean, you never know where right. these things come Whoever from. Whoever wrote it down when they wrote it down. Correct. Yeah. Um, they believe that that perhaps started when, when wild pigs were captured for slaughter. Oh. And then they would get hog wild because they knew they were going to slaughter. Sure. That makes sense. I, I mean, that we can go with that. Um, and then the one I, like, I'll be there with bells on. Mm-hmm. And I always... You know, after you and I talked about this, I'm like, what What does that mean? Like, yeah. what exactly? I know it means I'm excited to go. Right. So they think that that came from the jester's costume. Oh. And they always had little bells little on bells. it. And they were always excitable. Yeah. And I thought that was... That was so I'm going to be everywhere with bells on. Oh, but aren't you already? Aren't I, though? Yes. <laughs> you, no, no bells needed. <laughs> oh, no, now I'm wearing bells. <laughs> You're getting bells, girl. No bells need. They'll show up. Ding, ding. I'm here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, on that, I'll, I'll spin off on that because um, 
there's one, the one, don't get your knickers in a twist. Okay. Or your, your pants and, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and it's something you say to someone when you want them to calm down. Which, because that really helps. Right. No, no one ever telling you to calm down helps, period. Or relax. Matter. Right. Tell somebody to relax, relax. and see what happens. No. <laughs> uh, so it's when a person is afraid of doing something or scared, they get jumpy. And when they get jumpy, their underwear or knickers gets in a twist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. So I think if I said that to Connor, he'd be like, what? So Jenna in the dark <laughs> gets her knickers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think these are funny. Oh, and here's another one. Since we're laughing, mm-hmm. I say this to you a lot. I say it to quite a few people. I'm not laughing at you. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing with you. Mm-hmm. And this is to when you are laughing at something someone did or said, but you aren't trying to be mean. You're just laughing mm-hmm. out of, you know, you think it's a funny, but you're not trying to hurt their feelings. So right. that's what you would say. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Even though that person may not be laughing right. at the time. Right. Yeah. And that's where we had said in our first podcast, hopefully you'll be laughing with us, not yes. at us, but at least yes. you'll be laughing. But that actually, <clears throat> I can, that's actually a problem I have because <laughs> this is bad. And you might share this. Okay. When people fall. Oh no. I laugh <laughs> and it's bad. Like I've had a friend fall one time, hit the ice. I mean, it was bad. She slipped and fell on the ice. And before I could even ask her if she was okay, I was bawling. I was cracking up, almost crying. Like crying, laughing. So hard. And I said to her, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. And I remember her looking at me and going, I am not laughing. I'm not laughing. (laughs) So, yeah. You can't always use that saying. (laughs) I think that's a a trait of our family. It's a bad one. I have to turn away. It's, It's embarrassing. Now, there are times, if you're really hurt, obviously, my first question is, are you okay? Yeah, yes. no, once, it's normally, oh my God, are you yes, okay? like that, exactly. <laughs> but like if Connor gets hurt, I'm usually pretty, I can I can rein it in. Yeah. You know, I can be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Yeah. And then if he gets up and he starts to laugh, then I lose it. But I, it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. It's a real problem. Like people, but, I mean, getting better as I get older, because I'm able to like rein it a little bit. But yeah. Rein it in. Did you look that one up? Rein it in? Well, I think that has to do horses. with horses. Must have to do with horses. Uh, yeah, I Pull did not back. look it up. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, Pull it so. back. Rein it in. Um, well, one of Uncle Bill's was, um, he said, knock a buzzard off a shit wagon. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, obviously that's a powerfully awful smell. Yeah. Is when you have to knock. Because I know sometimes um, uh, we get mushroom dirt uh-huh. and it's very pungent. Oh, yeah. And I'll be like, oh, my God, that could knock a buzzard off a shit wagon. That's so bad. <laughs> so that's when I use a um, Pig farms smell like that. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. I remember when we lived up in, up, you know, in North, and we would drive by one of them. For the first time I drove by that, I was like, what is that smell? And Mike was like, oh, that's the pig farm. You don't. That's like normal. I'm like, oh, no, it's not normal in my part where I live. <laughs> no, pig, pig farms are, are nasty. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, okay. So one my husband gave me is people who live in glass houses should not throw stones. Mm, that's true. a tough one because I feel like we all do this. That's why I don't live in one either. But no, I feel like everybody does this at some point in their life. It's natural, but, but it's a good reminder uh, that you should not criticize others, especially not for faults that you have yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's what that means. You know, like, I wouldn't tell you to stop laughing at people when they fall because you do I it. do it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's an example. 
Well, another thing that we all do is keeping up with the Joneses. Oh. So I thought, well, was there specifically like a family called right. the Joneses that everybody Were needed they to wealthy? keep up with? No, it's just a generic name used for a neighbor. Okay. And it's the attempt to achieve the style of a more affluent neighbor. Okay. So it adopted, because Jones was a popular name back in England. Yeah. So it came back from 1913, and that's where it came from. Wow. So keeping up with the Joneses. Okay. So that, that way, I guess you didn't know exactly who you were talking who about. Who they were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, there's <clears throat> one that I say wrong that my mother reminds me of. Is it fruit for thought? <laughs> no. <laughs> Nope, that's yours. I know. That's yours. Um, it's food for thought, everybody, not fruit for thought. They know. Um, six of one, half dozen of another. I say six in one, half dozen of another. Wow. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, so that comes from the fact that half a dozen is an expression that means six. The idiom six of one, half dozen of the other, came into use in the 1700s. Again, mm-hmm. they were really uh, witty in the 1700s. Yeah, they were. The earliest known use of the expression occurred in a journal kept by a British naval officer, Ralph Clark, in 1790. Okay. That's interesting because I use that a lot too. Yeah. Like, oh, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. Do you say in one or of one? I just say it's six of one, half a dozen of another. And then it's like, well, it's the same damn thing. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's all the same. Yes. Is what it means. Yeah. Yeah. The um, best thing since sliced bread. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. I think we know where that, but what, but when, when did that originate? You don't know. I don't know when sliced bread. When sliced bread. Yeah. You know? Mm, I did it one time. Would it have been, huh? Wonder. Wonder bread? I don't know. That's a good, that's a good, uh. I don't know. That's a good one. I did not look that one up. Okay. But there's so many. There's so many. Shake a leg. Snug as a bug in a rug. Oh, and that one creeps me out a little bit. Why? (laughs) Why are we wanting to be snug as bugs in rugs? That's gross. Like, please tell me there are no bugs in my rugs. Uh, Well, I'm sure there are. Right? Dust mites, yada yada. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I mean, could we come up with? No, we need to know where that one originated because I bet you that comes from when they had like hay under their beds. Oh, probably. Probably. Yeah. So I'll, I'll have to look that up. one up. Um, the other one I have is barking up the wrong tree. Is that from hunting dogs? I, be- <laughs> I believe I it. I let, me, let me read it. I'll tell you. Um, if someone's barking up the wrong tree, they're pursuing a line of thought or course of action that is misguided. Okay. Uh, I'm certain that he was responsible. I think you're barking up the wrong tree. He was elsewhere at the time. Okay. So, so basically you're... You are that in that situation, someone's blaming that person of being in the place that they thought they were. Okay. Um, Origin says the saying refers to a dog barking at the bottom of a tree under the mistaken impression that its quarry is up it, suggesting that the phrase has its origins in hunting. Ah, smart. Smarty McSmarts over here. Known uses of the phrase date back to the early 19th century. Early 19th century. Okay. Um, I also know that I've used that expression maybe not correctly like when this is so embarrassing but when we were in like high school and a guy somebody was like oh so-and-so likes you and I was like yeah they're barking up the wrong tree like oh oh gotcha not even gonna entertain that one right that's probably a little mean to admit but I did use that expression in that way but I guess it kind of applies I mean they're hunting right in some way (laughs) (laughs) they're looking for something so they're barking up the wrong tree okay uh (laughs) Did you find out about uh, that? 
Yes. Yeah, so Snug as a Bug in a Rug came from back in the 1700s. Uh-huh. Um, so when there were bugs. N- no, the rugs. it was before rugs. So they were just basically saying that um, the majority of people know that this phrase means very comfortable or very snug. But um, snug did not originally mean comfortable. It meant neat, trim, and tidy or well-prepared. Oh, I like that. And then bug, while we call it insects, the word bug meant ghost or ghoul. Oh, now this is even creepier. (laughs) What? So before rugs were on floor, it was only after the full phrase was used that people started saying snug as a bug in a rug. Rug is difficult to trace, but it does seem odd that the whole phrase was used that early before rugs. Wow. So, yeah, because they said it would be weird to say as fit as a ghost in a blanket. I mean, yes, that would be weird. But now that I know that that's what that means, it's weird. I probably won't say it. (laughs) Jenna will never say she's (laughs) snug as a bug in a rug. Um, Another one I have, which I I like, and I know people use in stitches. Like if you're in stitches, you're laughing so hard that your side hurts, you get a stitch, right? Like a a little pain. Um, Presumably comparing the physical pain of intense laughter with the prick of a needle. In stitches was first used in 1602 by Shakespeare in Twelfth Night. After this, the expression isn't recorded again until the 20th century, but it's now common. Um, yeah, so that I thought was neat. Anything that goes back to like Shakespeare or something, I think is... Well, don't you think cool. because they used to... I, I mean, I always look at the old English way of speaking as such a roundabout way. Oh, yes. That that's where a lot of these sayings... Yes did come from because they would just go in a huge circle. They would say things without saying it, right? Right. So they had these little sayings um, to not really have to say what they were thinking. Maybe I'm reincarnated English then because from 1600, because I'm always... You're always saying those things. I say those things and then it takes me forever to get to the point. And that's when I start clicking the pen (laughs) and saying, long story is no longer short. That's right. Yes. Um, What about got your six? I don't know that. I got your six. Means nope. I got your back. I'm behind you. Oh. So it's like has to do with the clock. So if, oh. you're, if you're at 12 o'clock uh-huh. and then I've got your six means I'm behind you. Oh. So you want to hear that people got your six. I guess. You do. Okay. It's like that's what they say. I never the, heard that expression. Never? Never. Okay. I've heard got your back, not got well, your six. I guess it's the same thing. I'm on your six. I got your six. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came from World War One, oh. when fighter pli- pilots yeah. would say they're at twelve o'clock, indicating the front of the airplane, and then six o'clock referred to the behind rear them. of the aircraft. So if somebody was behind mm-hmm. you, helping you, they said, "I've got your six. Oh, I wonder if they said that in Top Gun. I think probably, maybe, maybe <laughs> they did. Maybe I missed that part. I was so intrigued. Is that by like your people. favorite movie? You no. just got super excited. No, but it made me think of the fighter jets, like when they were in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually it says a pilot heading into a brutal air battle. The six o'clock position is the most vulnerable oh, uh-huh. from attacks from your enemy because it's your blind spot. And nobody, yeah, no, and no one's behind you. Right? Well, I got, your six, six. Jen, I got you your got, six, Jen. I got your six. All right. I got yours too. Okay, good. <laughs> Somebody has to. Oh gosh. Um, how about once in a blue moon? We use that all the time. Right. Right. But we've had a lot of blue moons lately. Have we had a lot of blue moons? Right? Wasn't in 2020. There was one in November. 
No, 2020, I thought there was like October. Three. There was one in October. Oh, I don't know. That's interesting. There was the harvest moon. There was the full, full moons. There was a blue moon. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think I I'm know. wrong. So once in a blue moon refers to something that happens very infrequently. I see him only once in a blue moon. Um, origins. Confusingly, a blue moon doesn't refer to the actual color of the moon, which I learned. Right. It refers to when we see a full moon twice in one month. That Hello. was October. Because it was October yeah. 1st and the 31st. So, okay. yes. This happens every two to three years. It's thought that the word blue may have come from the now obsolete word blue, okay. which meant to betray. The betrayer moon was an additional spring full moon that would mean people would have to fast for an extra month during Lent. Yikes. Ouch. <laughs> this saying in its present meaning is first recorded in 1821. Wow. Wow. Again, like pre nineteen hundred. Yes. All this, I feel like, wow, they were really ahead of their time. So I, Uncle Bill had come up. He's like, oh, yeah, fresh as a daisy. And I'm like, what does that actually mean, though? You know, like you think it's. Are they fresh? Well, that's. Hello? I don't know. I don't even like the smell of daisies. So let's, where we're going with this. Daisies don't even smell good. They they don't have a good smell. So no, it has nothing to do with the smell. (laughs) If someone is as fresh as a daisy, they are full of energy and not at all tired. (laughs) So once you're done exercising, you may be fresh as a daisy again. Because you are. Okay, fully energized. Energized. Yes. Hmm. So that is totally different than what I would have thought. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. After a good night's sleep, you'd be fresh as a daisy. But well, if you get a good night's sleep. I mean, I guess, well, yeah, I mean, I guess daisies are pretty like, hello, here I am in your garden. <laughs> they are. They're pretty. So maybe we have that's them. Right. They're pretty. Um, how about bury the hatchet? Oh. To, that definition is to forget an offense and to be reconciled and be reconciled. So, you know. You're burying the hatchet. You're getting over it. You're not holding a grudge, per se, I guess, right? Right. The origin was long ago when the Puritans were fighting with the Native Americans, the Native Americans had a tradition of burying their hatchets, clubs, tomahawks, and knives during peace negotiations. Oh, so they wouldn't kill each other? Or Maybe. because they, they're they forgiving. I guess it's a forgiving thing. Like, they're done fighting. They're but if it's fighting. during peace negotiations, did they bury them so that they wouldn't kill each other in the process? I don't know. The act of burying weapons and making them inaccessible was their sign for peace. See that? Yeah. So they couldn't hurt each other, I guess. Maybe I was an Indian, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. boy. That's a whole nother. I had too much coffee today. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, Slow as molasses in January. Now, I've never heard in January. I've heard slow as molasses. So it's, it's added because... January is one of the coldest months in, like, the Northern Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And it intensifies the meaning, meaning of the fact that molasses is slow. Coming out. So it's even slower in January. Right. Because of the vicious cold. Okay. So you can just say it's slow as molasses, but yeah. if you really want to drive the point home, it's in January. Hmm. We all know somebody like that. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Somebody right. that moves slow as molasses. Yeah. It was- Usually it's my son on when we have to go somewhere. <laughs> And I'm like, I've used that expression quite a bit. Oh, my God. Quite a bit. Uh, How about um, caught red-handed? Oh, I know what that means. Go ahead. You do? I think so, yeah. To catch someone in act of doing something wrong. But the origin is an old English law stipulated that anyone who butchered another person's animal would be punished. Hmm. Didn't think that was where it was going. 
The condition was that he would be found guilty if the accusers caught him while he still had the blood of the slain animal on his hands. Mm-hmm. Isn't that Gross. interesting? Why would you want to do that? Okay. I, I don't think you would want to do it, but um, I had heard that. So, okay, so I, I do think that's accurate, but I had heard one time it was something having to do with there was a rash on their hand and they were caught red-handed. Okay. I thought it meant they chopped your hand off and... Because you were in trouble. Like, you got in trouble for something yeah. and they cut your hand off and then it was red. Yeah. Back in the good old days. Actually, without hand. <laughs> that would be caught no-handed, not red-handed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, shake a leg. Yeah. That's just to go faster, like, like to speed shake up. your leg. Don't be as slow up. as molasses. Mm-hmm. Um, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, we should go one day where we literally just speak this way. Like, all of this stuff. Oh, God. Could that would be imagine? a really tough day. We'd have to really think about it. That would be. That would <clears throat> yeah. be interesting. Um, so, another couple that Uncle Bill said, uh, dumb as a box of rocks. Which, obviously, rocks that. don't think. They're not too smart. Can't fix stupid. Which, I, yeah. I've heard that one a lot lately, actually. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, <laughs> one that my husband uses a lot. Worthless as tits on a boar hog. Yeah, or on a bull, I've right. heard. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's the male version. Yeah. And they don't... Use them. Give milk. <laughs> right. So, that's always one that... I love that saying. Yeah. Uncle Bill come home, oh, that one's worthless. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's pretty worthless. <laughs> I love that. And I just say, well, you can't fix stupid. Yeah. <laughs> See? See? You could speak every day yeah. in this. In this. Really oh, good. my gosh. Uh, slippery is an eel. Now that one, I know you don't like that stuff. Eels are gross. Well, yeah, but they're slippery and they're, they're very slippery, and that's where that came from because they wriggle and yeah. Um, there are so many, There's so many sayings. Um, this one, I I need to just talk about. Kick the bucket. Yeah, where does that come from? It means to die, which I knew, but right. like, what's the bucket, right? About um, and who's kicking it? I want to know. So during the 16th century, butchers would slaughter animals by hanging them on a wooden beam, which was called a bucket at the time. Ah. Uh-huh. When the animals were killed, many of them would have a sudden convulsion, like causing it. them to kick violently into the bucket or the beam. Oh. Wow. So it has nothing to do with, like, a bucket that we know. No, as of what we... Yeah, that's why I was curious about that, because I'm like, what is this bucket about? Yeah, because I thought maybe you are going to say that, like, they're... Where the drippings went was in a was bucket. Was in a bucket. And it's like... Oh. No, it was actually more morbid. So... Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks went down that path. <laughs> well, let's all hope we don't kick the bucket. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we all do this, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe not all of us. What? At some point in our life, we have let the cat out of the bag. Oh, maybe once or twice. Maybe once or twice, which is... Not re- on purpose. To reveal a secret and... It was in the 1700s again. Sellers would trick buyers by putting pigs, considered valuable, in bags together with cats, which were not valuable. If a cat got out of the bag, their fraud would be unveiled. Oh, wow. Hmm. That's interesting. It is interesting. Again. So you've let the cat out of the bag, then you've let out a big secret. You've let out that that seller was... Deception. Fraud. Well, yeah, that their fraud would be unveiled. That is, yeah, that's interesting. That is. I like that. <clears throat> um, oh my gosh, there were so many. Um, I got to try to pick the ones I can say. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the careful ones, yes. the G-rated. Yes, black as an ace of spades mm. is just it has to do with the darkness. 
Okay. And the spade on a card, set of cards, is the darkest. So it's super black. Right. So black is the ace of spades had to do with darkness. Right. Okay. That's good because mm-hmm. I feel like I might not have known that. Um, how about riding shotgun? Yeah, where'd that Do come you know from? that one? I, I think I have an idea. Okay. Tell me what you think. So I think that probably for defense... Somebody would drive and somebody would be in the passenger seat with a shotgun. And you're make, right. Am I? You, ding, 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 ding. You're right. <laughs> to ride in the front seat of a vehicle is the definition. Origin. When driving a coach in the Wild West, ah, whoever go. sat next to the driver in the front seat often needed to have a shotgun in order to kill any robbers that might come upon them. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in, in case you haven't noticed, we're finding that a lot of these sayings just like nursery rhymes, which we could do a whole nother oh, podcast they're on, creepy. are really coming from bad, like dark places, right? Like Yeah, like the cradle. Rock, if the cradle should the fall. Cra- oh, yeah. All of those nursery rhymes are terrible. To, so much so that I changed the words to a lot of them when I sung them to Connor. Did you? Yeah, because I thought these, you are, didn't awesome. these are morbid. Early on. And then I stopped singing them. <laughs> um, and, oh, this one is, I'm sorry, this one. Throwing the baby out with the bath water. Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know what it means. Getting rid of something valuable in the process of eliminating the unnecessary. (laughs) So, yeah, the water is unnecessary. The baby is valuable. During the early 1500s, families bathed, ready, only once a year. Oh, good Lord. They must have smelled wonderful. And they also used the same water for every person in the family. Oh, that's just wrong. The, the, it gets worse. The adult males had the first turn, followed by the females, and the children would go last. By that time, the water would have been filthy from everyone who had already bathed, because the, which is disgusting. Uh, yeah. Because the babies were last in the tub, which was now very dirty. You see where I'm going? Mm-hmm. There was a risk of accidentally throwing the bath water out with the baby still in it. Idea. Bathe the baby first in the clean water <laughs> and the women for the love of feet. Oh my god. Thank God we get showers more often. <laughs> that is I mean gross. Yeah, this is where some of these are. I'm telling you, it's crazy. What else you got? Well, I have do you have any more? I have one more, and I think it's appropriate for what's about to happen. Um, we're gonna well, hold on. Maybe I don't have another one. I had call it a day. Okay. Call it a day, um, <clears throat> which obviously means end, end it, right? Yeah. We're going to call it a day. We're going to be done. Um, it means stop doing something for the day. For example, work temporarily or give it up completely. I can't concentrate. Let's call it a day is an mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. The expression was originally call it half a day. The first recorded in 1838 in context meaning to leave one's place of work before the working day was over. Call it a day came later in 1919. Okay. So, on that note, we were going to call, it, call a it a day. Um, I forgot to do the quote in the beginning. Oh, go ahead. Um, so, before we call it a day, our quote was, wisdom is the ability to learn from change. So, equating that to today's podcast, we've changed a lot with these expressions of yes. the meanings and how we interpret them. Mm-hmm. So, wisdom is the ability to learn from change. Excellent. Let's call it a day. Let's call it a day. Have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day, however you plan to enjoy it. And And namaste. namaste.